0: Welcome back to the 2R1 Podcast, where we study the Bible together as a married couple. I'm Taylor. I'm Elisa. And we're glad you're back with us. Uh, Today we are going to be skipping from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1. We're going to walk through uh, Mark's gospel, hopefully. And then we're going to cover a story that has to do with science and philosophy, And then we're going to take some questions, so uh, sit back and enjoy it. We'll see you in a second. Back, Um, we're glad you're with us. This is our third podcast, so we're we're starting to get uh, a little bit of an archive. Uh, We just want to thank everybody that has uh, listened and shared it and uh, said nice things. I'm sure if we do it long enough, we'll hear some things that aren't so nice, but that's just part of it. Um, So today we're going to be in Mark chapter one. Last time we were together, we were in Isaiah chapter 25, where we talked about. the great feast that God will be preparing for those of us who love His appearing, and then uh, we just talked about it. We thought let's get some uh, let's get some New Testament in there. So we went to Mark, and before we dive in, before we start reading and uh, say a prayer, Elisa, you did a little bit of research on just kind of the I don't know, kind of the perspective of Mark, the outline of Mark, and I kind of had some. Ideas going in why Mark may be good. Do you want to speak to that a little bit of what you dug up?
1: Sure. Um, interesting enough, you brought this to my attention. But Mark, at the time of Jesus's ministry, was um, around teenage years. So teenager, I'm not sure, preteen, but, but around teenager. We work with teenagers, so we that word yeah, has know. a whole another <laughs> connotation. We love them. Yeah. Most of the time. Most of the time. Um, but he was a teenager when when Jesus was walking around this earth and and doing miracles. His mother was an avid follower. Um, later, when he actually recorded the Gospel of Mark, um, he really was. It was almost more uh, from Peter's perspective. He was he was almost like a disciple of Peter because he was too young at the time to really. I guess, understand everything that was going around him, going Mm -hmm. on around him. But, you know, as a teenager or any child, they're watching what their parents do Mm -hmm. more so than even what they say. So he's bringing that to the table along with everything Peter has told him. Mm -hmm. He not only got to hear straight from Peter what had happened, and Peter was there very close to Jesus through all of it, he got to witness that. So it was... It was kind of a double-fold perspective.
0: Yeah, uh, that was when I was thinking and praying about, okay, where do we need to go next? Um, I was just thinking the Gospels, you know, let's get back to the basics. And uh, Mark kind of struck me because I had heard people talk about some of that research you just talked about, how Mark was a kid and his his exact age is kind of up in the air. But, um, you know, with this being kind of a... um, a marriage podcast and and, and a biblical um, reading and study f- through a marriage lens, you know you start thinking about family and the different dynamics and stuff, and I just felt like maybe Mark was a good fit mm-hmm. you know I mean I think any verse of scripture from Genesis to revelation would fit, but you know I was thinking let's see what let's see what a kid's got to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why we chose Mark. And so we'll get going in it, and then we'll just go where God leads us. And I
1: just love to think about his mama. I need to do some more research on her. But yeah. as a mama, you know, it just goes to show that when you're willing to to answer that call, and Jesus calls us all man, woman, we think we don't hear a lot about women in the Bible, but they're, they're there. Oh, yeah. And, Absolutely. And um, I just think, wow, she—I she. she I, I don't know who his dad was. I don't know— Sure, he. I don't know. Yeah, but he, she just lived it out to the point where he dedicated his life to it too. You know, mm-hmm. I've heard parents argue, "Well, I don't want to um, uh, go overboard and end up backfiring, and then not want to be a part of it." But if you're acting out what you're telling them and you're pouring into them and and living it out, I mm-hmm. just don't think it can. I hope and pray
0: it can definitely be a situation like where the child still walks away from the Lord but in that situation I I don't I think that if you're genuinely trying to live out your faith you know the child will see the genuineness Mm -hmm. behind it and they may not choose it but they can at least respect you and what you stand for Mm -hmm. and 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 certainly they can walk away from it and
1: it's just because Jesus isn't walking around this earth any right now mama's listening y'all can live this thing out and they will see the miracles of jesus Absolutely. you know i mean it's mark didn't have an advantage that we don't have
0: yeah i mean if anything we have all of it written down and collected we kind of and the holy spirit yeah and we have yeah we have some advantages (laughs) over mark uh, and all those that walked with jesus in that day although it would be cool to like walk for a few days you know with him bring my air mattress though (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. Anyway, let's get into it. So Mark chapter one. going we're just gonna it's too long, I think, to cover in one podcast. So we're gonna break it up. is gonna read a little bit for us, and we'll come back and pray, and then we'll and we'll get into it.
1: All right, Mark one. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Per- Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him.
0: Amen. That's
1: through uh, verse 13.
0: Verse 13. Um so we talked about this and you know when you when you read this if you've read the gospels before I mean you can be a, a follower of Jesus and be completely green on the scriptures and this account sound perfectly uh, all inclusive but when you read this having knowing what some of the other gospels say about how uh Jesus began and the story of John the Baptist and stuff like that my first thought when I read this is, is okay. Mark is kind of he's fast forwarding through a lot of detail here. He, he's he's going quickly over a lot of things that some some of the other gospels spend more time on. So my initial human reaction, okay, let's let's pray. I completely skip that. All right, <laughs> let's, skip, let's let's don't skip praying because otherwise um, we have. Uh, a tendency to uh, not hear and not not listen and not speak from god so um father we thank you so much again for just your goodness lord and the way you line things up father we thank you that uh, you know all things father you know what we need before we know that we need them lord Um, both blessings and struggles father and that uh, you do much work through struggle Father, I thank you for the struggle. Father, I thank you for the struggle in my life and for elise's life and all of us as believers. Father, you develop our perseverance, Lord, and uh, I thank you that you're faithful um, to finish the work that you've started in us. Father, I thank you that you're still intervening in the lives of your people. Lord, I thank you for your word that is the lamp into our feet and the light into our path. Uh, I thank you for this opportunity to gather together with the wife that you've blessed me with to be able to. Uh, hear from you father and to speak from you father and hopefully bless your people father and those that are um outside wanting to come in and, and fill a tug from you father and i pray tonight that you would bless the reading of your word that you would bless uh give us ears to hear father and i pray that you would speak through us teach us your ways lord teach us your word forgive us of our sins wash us clean and just be with us tonight and bless it father as only you can Lord, we give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. Father, without you, we are nothing. We are just dust, Lord. But uh, you have breathed your life into us, Father, and you have a call in our lives, each of us as believers, and I pray that we would seek you and uh, walk with you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I was saying that at first glance, it seems like, you know, Mark is just rushing over a lot of detail. But then then I, I read it, and I'm like, I start seeing detail in things that i hadn't really thought about before and and you know it reminds me of what Paul says uh somewhere in one of his thirteen epistles or so, unless you want to count Hebrews that's a whole other conversation but uh all all scripture is profitable all, for teaching and for sound doctrine, and so um the details are there if we will if we will spend enough time and let God show us. And and real quick, if there's things that that you feel like, man, man, there's a nugget there, and I really want to comment. I want to let them know this is what I see in that. Shoot us an email, uh, questions at two r one dot You know, you can send comments to the questions email address. Just email us, and if there's something that you feel like we missed, or something that you wanted to get added, or whatever it is, just let us know. So, in the beginning, or my my. Uh, Hebrew translation says, The beginning of the good news of Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Elisa, you made a comment about this next verse here. It is written in the prophet Isaiah. You thought you see, I didn't even think about the fact that we've been in Isaiah. We come into Mark, and then here's Isaiah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, Mark is bringing in a prophecy. You, you mentioned that. You said that he's, you think it's really cool that he starts off with a prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's bringing in Isaiah, which kind of bridges the gap between the last couple weeks and this week. Says, this is what mine says. See, go ahead.
1: I, I was just going to say that, I, uh, you know, I think during this time when he was writing it is when Peter and him were around Rome. And so um, they weren't as familiar with some of the Old Testament scripture. So he was bringing that back in to uh-huh. say, hey, listen to this. Yeah, you know? Make
0: sure that we remember... What this has is been what said.
1: this is what happened. This isn't just some guy doing cool things. Like this is some guy that was told about long ago, and here he is, you know. So that would speak to both the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews knowing the scriptures, and the Gentiles being like, "What? Let me." Somebody yeah, said Yeah, Then that? it makes them go study. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's awesome. It says, "See, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare the way before you." so real quick well let me just finish that the verse three the voice of someone crying out in the desert prepare the way for the lord so i thought to myself and i've often thought this before and i want this to be a podcast where we can be honest so like let's just be honest like i have the thought i'm like okay jesus is coming why does he need somebody to prepare the way? you know like i've had that thought before like Jesus can turn the water into wine. He can part the Red Sea. He can do whatever. Why does he need someone to prepare the way for him? This also So I ask myself that question. So if you're wondering that, it's not just you. I've wondered that before, too, but go ahead, babe.
1: Well, this this also speaks to them because (laughs) it wasn't like there were streets everywhere like there is now. Wilderness was just basically all around them. I mean, they had their little towns, but there was a lot more woods than there is today. So when they would have to travel those who were noble or of stature or kings or whatever the the thing or whatever the position um they literally had people that would prepare the way they would get out the the wilderness Hmm. so i think that speaks to their context too like again this isn't just some dude he's kind of a big deal right
0: and i thought you were going to kind of say and i think it's similar to what you said is that you know, everybody's so spread out a little bit, and uh, once you get out of the, the the center of the city, basically, you know, your neighbor may be so many miles on the road. So it's kind of maybe kind of preparing his audience in terms of bringing people yeah. together to hear the message and to see. Is that kind of along the lines of what you were looking at as well? Like,
1: yeah, I think both.
0: Yeah, both of those. But then I thought, you know, let's let's take it deeper. I mean, there's always multiple levels to each scripture there's you know there's the obvious and then you know we're we're taking it deeper so you think about the and i I heard our pastor um pastor mickey lindsey say this a couple weeks ago maybe it was last week that you have to think about how religion had been up until this point especially the jewish people um what seems like obvious what what an obvious message to us that john the baptist is preaching and we'll get that in a second was not necessarily so obvious to these people at this time Um, Mm -hmm. they truly believed at this time and and orthodox jews still believe this that god is pleased only through sacrifices in keeping with the law Mm -hmm. and that it's not Really, much more than that. Other than what you sacrifice, in other words, um, something you do—a performance, a religious observance—that appeases or pleases God. So, you have to look the part. Yeah, and you, act the part. Right. You look the part. You do. You do. You check the box, mm-hmm. and then you're kind of good to go. Well, even though God had clearly painted a different picture alongside of that in the Old Testament, here comes John, and he is. Um, So preaching
1: repentance.
0: Yes. So then we'll go on to verse four, then I'll come back to the point that I was going to make. So it was verse four. So it was that John, the immerser or the baptizer, appeared in the desert, proclaiming a baptism involving turning to God from sin in order to be forgiven.
1: So that's different. Let me read you my notes. Okay. It says in the 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 amped up up version. uh, Amped up version. Um, it says that when John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the for- forgiveness of sins, it clarifies. So I'd have to go back and look at the Greek word and its meaning, but that's what the AMP version does for us. Um, basically, it says that it is, you know, when we hear repentance, it's, it's turning away from sin, and that is what he was preaching, but also the word used here went on to a deeper meaning of requiring a change of one's old way of thinking, mm-hmm. and how many times do we get stuck in a pattern of thinking yeah uh, that 's what John the Baptist was he came not looking the part he came literally with camel hair and i i can I can't imagine what he looked like because again, our preacher one time. <laughs> dressed up as John the Baptist for a vacation Bible school and he got into character and I will never forget it as an adult, you know, so I'm sure those kids will never forget it either. But, you know, he came not looking the part and preaching that you don't have to look the part. In fact, it's probably best not to look the part, you know, yeah. it's about the heart.
0: So he's preaching what seems obvious to us, turning to God from sin in order to be forgiven and while god had in my opinion and us looking backwards made that abundantly clear in his old testament and through the prophets of old john came changing their everything they knew in a sense they were here they were relying on sacrifices and religious observances and and performance to be uh accepted by god so in that way John went ahead and kind of put the shock factor out there for Jesus. You know what I mean? Jesus could have handled it, could have handled the shock factor. Any matter of fact, he still did bring a, a greater shock factor with his message. But this is kind of, in some senses, that's one way that that John prepared the way is that shock factor of, like Elisa said. You know, it's not about outward appearance and outward performance. It's about the inside and turning to god from sin it's not about what you do it's about the inside so that's the first thing uh and then uh help me help me help me let me think of my second point. point second thing um well i think i have forgotten it. i've gone so far from it uh it may come <laughs> it back happens. to me it may come back to me so then you, then you get into some of the visual of what's happening. I start seeing this in my mind, some of the movies that I've seen that have a scene of John the Baptist. Uh, verse 5, People went out to him from all over uh, Judah, or Judea. Is that what yours says? Mm-hmm. From all over Judea, as did all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Confessing their sins, they were immersed or baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothes of camel's hair. With a leather belt around his waist, he ate locusts and wild honey. So just imagine, just imagine how burly this guy looked. Uh, and I get a picture in my mind that he was a very, very powerful, kind of an in-your-face uh, preacher. At this point, you know, he's saying a very uh, hard message to swallow because it makes people confront their own issues, uh, and he is visually shocking to look at. Um, And in some ways, I just want us, I don't want us to miss detail. And I don't want us to make the mistake of thinking that Mark wrote quickly over all these parts. In other words, he included what John was wearing for a reason.
1: Yeah. I think because he did kind of seem to skim over and get to the point pretty quick That makes the details he did choose to include even more important. Yes,
0: that's that's what I'm thinking. And so what is it that God is trying to tell us, or what are some things that God could be trying to tell us through including those details about his clothing? Um, And I don't know know if you have any thoughts on that, Elisa, but um, camel's hair, um, well, a camel was huge to this culture. Um, camels could survive the elements um, could take people um, where they needed to go they were reliable camel's hair uh, was very coarse very very uncomfortable very very uncomfortable uh, a leather belt around his waist so essentially uh, camel skin camel hair garment just held together at the waist with a belt so John was willing to live in discomfort for the call of God that was on his life. Mm -hmm. And this gets to the subject of of prosperity preaching. Um, What does the gospel actually say, and what does it require of us? Well, the gospel is the good news that Jesus has come to save that which is lost. Who is lost? Everyone Everyone is lost apart from Jesus. And the good news goes on to say that when we commit ourselves, our lives, our heart, our ways to God, does God say that everything in our life will be resolved, that we'll never have strife and toil and uh, issues and um, those kinds of things? No, God never said that. And uh, anyone that is preaching a gospel that is promising anyone – prosperity that is promising anyone comfort, I think that is a false gospel. Uh, The truth is, just like I said in my prayer at the beginning of the podcast, is that God's desire is that we become like Jesus as much Mm -hmm. as possible. And when we come to God in salvation, we all come with baggage, and my baggage that I bring to God and the baggage that you bring, the baggage that you bring, Elisa, any of us, God is going to go through a process of refining us. And what it takes to refine my baggage is different than what it takes to refine someone else's baggage. And it sometimes it takes, God will often refine us in, in the fire through testing through the testing of our faith because there's some things we can only learn that way there's some levels of faith we can only get to through trials and testing uh, so that god can prune us and grow us and john was willing to live sacrificially and uncomfortably in order to be in the place where god wanted him to be Mm -hmm. to do the most effective work and to do the call that is on god's life If you are a child of God, if you are a Christian, if you belong to Jesus, God will most likely take you through seasons and take us through seasons that are similar in that. And I think that is part of what um, God is saying through that right there. Uh, And then there was something that spoke. And Lisa, do you have anything you want to add on that right there? Okay, then he, the last part of verse 6, he says, He ate locusts and wild honey. And so I'm reading this and I'm thinking... Where else does locust show up in the Bible, you know? And so then I'm like the plagues, the plagues, the plagues, and what what were the purpose of locusts uh, in the plagues? Well, you know, if you think back to when Moses was trying, Moses and Aaron were trying to lead God's people out of Egypt, the Pharaoh did not want that because the Pharaoh wanted the Hebrews as slaves to build his empire, and so. Moses said, let my people go. Pharaoh said, I will not let your people go. <laughs> there, we've all heard songs where... I feel like there's a song about that, isn't there?
1: Pharaoh, Pharaoh. There you go. <laughs> oh, baby, my
0: people You want to sing
1: it? No. <laughs> I'll sing
0: it. So, so then God brought the plagues. One of those was the locusts. So I, I often do that. I'm like, okay, where else did God talk about this? You know what I mean? And What is God trying to say through this? So he ate locusts and wild honey. Well, I would think wild honey... Would taste pretty good, locust. I don't know. Never ate one, but I got a feeling they're a little. I don't know, a little gamey. <laughs> I don't
1: know, but I was thinking crunchy. Crunchy,
0: yeah. I just figured gamey would. I don't know. Sounds funnier, I guess. But, um, I mean, so homeboy's eating locusts and wild honey, and so I'm thinking, okay, this ain't the
1: easy life.
0: This ain't the easy life. And and what did John? In a way, what did the locusts do? They made Pharaoh let God's people go. What is John's job that God has given him? John's job is to, to sacrifice himself and the comforts that he would have to preach this message that is not comfortable to hear to people that don't want to hear it a lot of times. And John is willing to eat the mess of this life, the mess of other people, the crunchy things that don't nobody else want to deal with. Um, in your, When you're in a situation like John, if I don't know, the Bible doesn't record, but let's just say there's a, a man who hears about this. He comes broken to the River Jordan. He hears John, John's message. God pierces his heart. And he goes out to John, and he just starts pouring it out. You know, I cheated on my wife, or I... You know, I stole from here and nobody knows, but I want to repent and and turn to God for my sins. so John is, in a way, he's willing to... Does that make sense?
1: Well, it it goes back to what we talked about last time. You know, Jesus is for the little man. Mm -hmm. He's for the ones that our society has said is not worthy. You know, and he comes out there looking unworthy and... And preach an acceptance, even if you don't look like you got it all together. Mm-hmm. You just have to do this one thing to be loved, mm-hmm. and and really, it's just well, for not me. even to
0: be. You're already loved, right. but To be forgiven and restored, mm-hmm. which is the the action of love there. And that's
1: really why it worked. It wasn't. I mean, let's face it. If any of us put on some camel skin and <laughs> and, <laughs> and <laughs> I can only imagine. I don't even know if Amazon sells that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know that we could do some crazy things. That's not what makes it work. It's it's the message. That's what that's what speaks to people's heart. And you know, and plus, it was the word of God through him.
0: But the, I just can't get away from him eating locusts. I just feel like locusts is a representation of sin somehow mm-hmm. in that. And John was willing to be the guy that was like, you know what, I'll take it, God not that he's he's a little bit of a, a pre pre-Jesus type figure in this situation you know he's 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 letting people well, see he, the mediator yeah
1: they thought that he might be and he said no i'm not even worthy yeah. you know i'm not worthy to even unstrap his sandals the but, one that is coming behind me yeah
0: but he's a he's he's everything that he does is symbolically laying the foundation for Jesus's ministry and mm-hmm. i would argue even down to his diet even down to the locust that he ate. I think it speaks to, um, you know, calls your mind back to the plagues in Egypt. and And I think there's a connection there between his job and what he ate. And then you even go into wild honey. All right, we get honey from the store. It may be from the wild, but it's not wild. Mm-hmm. John had to reach his hand in a bee's nest to get wild honey. So then I thought, you know what? If you want something sweet, you're going to have to work for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, not work for salvation, but in other words, God has a job for us to do, and God's blessings many times are contingent upon our obedience and our sacrifice of our desires for His desires. In order to get to God's honey, we have to be willing to do whatever it takes to let God take us to the honey and to get down in there and to get the honey. Mm-hmm. to lead us so I think even even like we talked about the details are important I don't want to skip over them and I've certainly been accused in my life of overanalyzing but you know what when it comes to the Bible I don't think that you can uh, look too hard uh, for what God is trying to say I think you can look too hard uh, you know if you're I think it's possible but I think that I'd rather err on the side of trying to pay extra attention to detail
1: well, you just don't want to miss anything I don't want
0: to miss anything So, uh, verse seven. He proclaimed, "After, like Elisa said, after me is coming someone who is more powerful than I. I'm not worthy even to bend down and untie his sandals."
1: Which is at this time the job of the slaves. So he's saying he's not even worthy to be his slave. Wow! Which really shows, you know, who's coming.
0: And John had all this attention mm-hmm. and all these people. He had a, oh, he had a yeah. huge audience. He could have been – I mean, that shows humility.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was reading something today that, you know, we, we often don't appreciate people until after they're gone because probably for our own good because that type of honor for ourselves is bad for the soul. Mm-hmm. But John was so committed that even when he had the honor from people – he, was
0: he pointed that to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Verse 80 says, I have immersed you in water, but he will immerse you in the Holy Spirit. And there, there we go again. Everything that John did, right down to his clothing, right down to what he ate, right down to what he said, right down to his message, it's all a forerunner, a symbol pointing to Jesus and what Jesus will do. And John prepared them with the message saying, listen, guys, it's not about the outside and your actions. It's about the inside. And I'm baptizing you on the outside. Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and, you know, set you on fire for God. Mm -hmm. Uh, Verse 9, shortly thereafter... Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. Is that what yours says? Mine says Galil there. Galilee. Galilee. And was immersed in the Jordan by John. So right here, again, he's skipping over some pretty powerful um, verses that we all know in different um, versions of this story from different um, Gospels. So he just kind of goes just mentions in passing, you know, that that John baptized the Messiah, you know. <laughs> but but there again, there's there's detail in well, there. But he
1: says immediately and and every different version I have read on this, whether it be um the amplified, I was looking at a Logos um Bible app thing that I have I I need it. I'm still learning how to use that. But all of them mention how many times Mark uses the word "immediately," and it was right under forty times in his Gospels. And his is the shortest account. And he he uses that word. Forget the Greek word. I'll have to come back to that. But he uses that word that word a lot. And every notes mentioned says that immediately. <laughs> immediately. Hmm. Um, there's something there. <laughs>
0: there is something there. So immediately upon coming out of the water. He saw heaven torn open and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. I am well pleased with you. So he comes out of the water and I can just kind of see it in my mind like slow motion. You know, he's like coming out of the water. And
1: but it's probably immediately. <laughs> 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 I mean,
0: okay. Immediately, but in my mind it's slow motion. It was immediately in slow motion. <laughs> and he comes out of the water, you know, and I can just see it. And then, like, the heavens are open. A dove descends down, which, again, is calling back to the symbols in the Old Testament. You think uh, about Noah mm-hmm. on the boat and the dove. The dove has always been a representation of the Spirit of God. And so, God, I remember what I was going to say earlier now.
1: I knew it. Okay. Back to you.
0: So, and this ties in with this. So, don't mm-hmm. let me forget. So the dove. I don't know what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so the dove comes down to sins on Jesus. There's your first witness. Mm. God speaks from heaven. This is my beloved son, and I am well pleased with you. There's your second witness. God will always establish things with two or more witnesses all throughout scripture there's even scripture that says in the mouths of two or three witnesses a thing is established in the jewish culture Mm -hmm. you could not convict someone of a crime unless you had two or more witnesses so it's it's god it's almost like a law of seed time and harvest with god where he establishes things with more than one pointing to it the dove being the old testament symbol for the spirit descending and landing on jesus god speaking from heaven God established, and in the mind of a Jewish person at that time, there's your two witnesses. Mm -hmm. Um, And that same point I was going to make earlier about John in the wilderness. Okay, John's your first witness.
1: I was about to say, he's definitely a witness.
0: He's your first witness to the good news, Mm -hmm. the gospel. Jesus is your second witness. A thing is established. And God used over and over throughout Scripture more than one witness to establish things. You can go all the way to the book of Revelation. There's two witnesses that stand on the street preaching. God establishes a thing. He establishes his message with two or more witnesses. And that was the other point about John preparing the way, is that God wanted to have two witnesses. So we're going to take a short break. Uh, We will come back to the rest of this scripture on the next podcast. I want to add something. Okay, I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) He likes to get ahead of things. Um, so it, there's so much good coming up, and my husband thought that we would get to it tonight, but I knew there, there was no way. Mm-hmm. He likes to talk too much. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm kidding. But I'm it, not laughing. But uh, <laughs> <that's everywhere, so. laughs> the next uh, next part of coming up in Mark is when he's calling his disciples. You know, John the Baptist says, we've already seen how you answer the call through his actions. How you live selflessly, you know, you know, but he's calling his disciples next. And that's has not changed today, mm. you know. That's what he's doing even right now. He's calling his his disciples. He's, he's seeing who's willing to eat the locusts and the wild honey for him, to mm-hmm. point people towards him. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy, Mm-mm. but I would say that John the Baptist wouldn't have changed anything. You know, he would no. do it all over again. Goodness gracious. Um, so I was reading A.W. Tozer today. Oh, okay. And a great
0: um, Christian uh, apologist. And I
1: have to, to talk about just a couple of these quotes because that's leading into the next thing. Okay. Um, you know, we like to be promoted in life. You know, everything that we do, we're trying to get to that next level, whether it be a job. And there's nothing wrong with that but A.W. Tozer points out I'm going to paraphrase a little bit the call to Christ the call that that Jesus is calling you to to follow him there is no greater promotion mm. even a king or the president like it does not get greater than that mm-hmm. um, any movement and this is a direct quote any movement toward Christ is in a, an ascent and any direction away from him is down but as much honor as that is, and, and that is a promotion, and instantly we start feeling proud. Oh, yeah, I answered that call. Mm-hmm. That's something we also got to be careful of because he also says, to follow him means to bear our own cross. And t- his cross, let me see what A.W. said. I got it right here. It said, for the follower of Christ must shoulder his cross, and a cross is an object of shame and a symbol of rejection.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So while it is such great news and that is how Mark introduces this whole gospel he says <laughs> I think he uses those exact words the facts about the good news yeah. that's how he opens it you know that is good news but it's so contradictory of what we hear as good news in the in the world right. it's good news to bear a cross which right. is of shame and rejection
0: right it's opposite of what the world would consider to be Good news, but that's only because they don't realize the gravity of what was done and what needed to be done.
1: Yeah. It's because the world's got it upside down.
0: Yeah. Um, and that real quick before we take a break, I think it's important if, if you've heard this podcast and you feel the tug, you know, do you feel, man, there's more, man, I feel like God is like pulling on me. Like if you want what God is standing ready to give which is give you your your freedom and your salvation through Jesus if you want to be adopted into the family of God do not let anyone over complicate mm-hmm. it for mm-hmm. you yes. okay it, it's not hard it's just as simple as talking to God and you know if you have done that before and someone said you know you can pray this prayer after me if you meant your, rep- your repetitions with your heart, then that's fine. But there's no magic prayer. Mm-mm. But basically you need to feel the tug and then you, you do business with God and just tell him, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you came for me to lay down your life because I'm hopelessly lost in my own mess my own sin I admit that I'm a sinner I confess that I got junk Jesus I believe you are who you say you are and I want you to carry me across this Jordan River the Jordan River is often symbolic of death you know that, that day is a sign for each of us don't you want him to carry you across into blessing and honor and peace and joy mm-hmm. don't you want him to carry you I mean, you don't you want him to carry you? If you do, just tell him that. Jesus, I believe you are, who you say you are. I believe what you say about me is true. That I am lost, that I am a sinner, and that I need a savior. Save me. That's all it is. That's all it is. And then buckle your seatbelt. Because <laughs> it's about <laughs> to get awesome. Anyway, we love you. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back and uh, we're going to talk about a quick news story. And we'll see you in just a bit.
1: Hey guys, thanks again for joining us. You can go to our website. You can find the articles we've been talking about today. It is at 2r1.org. That's the number two, the letter R, the number one.org. If you have any questions, you can email us at questions2r1.org. at 2R1.org. And you can now get to us at iTunes, and you can search it with the number two, the letter R, and the number one. All right,
0: welcome back. We uh, took a little longer on the front end than we planned, so we're just going to we're going to real quick go through this um, <laughs> article. So. I had kind of a a little bit of an epiphany today, and that is that going forward, what we're going to try and do is during these news stories, we're going to try and have a guest on the show. We're going to have them call in and we're going to ask for some uh, outside views and opinions and expertise, if you will. So this particular story that I found was a little bit above my head. We are um, not experts.
1: We're, just we're like not to.
0: experts on either one of these <laughs> subjects, although I've my, my dad used to say that I loved he loved philosophizing, and I did too, but I'm not gonna say we were no one ever paid us to do it. So no. certainly we weren't there. But good, they but. could
1: solve all the world's problems.
0: <laughs> so this let me just read you and don't don't glaze over with me. I'm gonna try and get the high parts out of this, and then I've got a quote from someone very special that I want to read to you. All right, so the name of this well this is from Scientific American the name of this story is Cosmos, Quantum, and Consciousness. Is science doomed to leave some questions unanswered? Yes. <laughs> and I saw that headline and it grabbed me. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they would even say that as a title for it. So I'm it gonna, worked. It hooked you. It did. It did. That's what a good hook does. So this is about kind of the age old. Uh, debate of science and philosophy and what is the role of science and what are the boundaries of science and what can science answer for us. And I'm probably not doing this ty- uh, this article complete justice, so please go look at the link uh, in the podcast description. You can read it for yourself. And for any of these authors, if I mischaracterize you, I promise you I'm not trying to. And you can read it for yourself, guys, and, and see. But basically, I'm going to have to boil this down because there's a lot of kind of phil- philosophical jargon in here, which makes my head spin. Uh, but basi- basically, um, there's a me- there's kind of the meat and the potatoes of the article right here, and basically, this group of um, scientists have began, begun, began, begun. Which one is it? Had have be <laughs> g- g- just go <laughs> to question if science can answer all of the questions that humanity has and all of the issues that humanity faces. Which is crazy because most hardcore scientists would tell you that we just need more funding and we need more time. So that's, the article addresses that. So it says, these are the three stumbling blocks to science being able to uh, fix everything, according to the authors of this um, kind of methodology that's come about. The first stumbling block, they say, is cosmology. In parentheses, it says, we cannot view the universe from the, quote, outside. And I'm thinking, I know who can view it from the outside. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's why they call it God's eye view. (laughs) Well, that's actually in the article. Wow. I read some of it. You didn't see that? Yeah, they, they quote that. So that's the first thing, cosmology. We cannot view the universe from the outside. Second, consciousness Parentheses, a phenomenon we experience only from within. Hmm. Uh, And third, what they call the nature of matter. Roughly, the idea that quantum mechanics appears to involve the act of observation in a way that is not clearly understood. See, right there, I just completely missed that. I just stopped listening. Yeah, exactly. Me too. All right. So. Basically, it goes on to summarize, he says, what Gleiser and his colleagues are critiquing, he says, is, quote, the notion of scientific triumphalism, the idea that just give us enough time and there are no problems that science cannot solve. We point out that that is, in fact, not true because there are many problems that we cannot solve. The debate comes down to the question, is the world knowable through dispassionate scientific study? or hopelessly viewpoint-dependent and full of blind spots. Philosophers, not surprisingly, have weighed in. All right, and they go on to name what the philosophers call their view that is similar. It's called perspectival realism, and they define it as this. Just hang with me. Perspectival realism is, in part, a response to the science wars of the 1990s, a series of challenges levied against science by historians, philosophers, and sociologists who argued that scientific discoveries are shaped by the cultures in which they take place. It accepts that there are limits to science, but recognizes its spectacular success in explaining nature. So Subjective. I, I wanted to reach out to someone we collectively know and are collectively related to that is a <laughs> philosopher at heart. Elisa's cousin Danny Nix, great guy. Brilliant Christian guy. Um uh, we've had tons of these um, deep ph- philosophical conversations, and Danny is he is all he knows all about it. That's his degree. Vada State University has a bachelor's degree in philosophy. So I said, I'm going to call Danny see if he'll come on the show. This is going to be awesome. But Danny is currently in law school at Mercer, right? Mm-hmm. Currently at law school in Mercer, doing great, and he is studying his tail off to prepare for finals. He's got a bunch of guys at the house; they're studying all day long. He's and like, he "Man, took
1: I, two minutes to read this." Yes, he's like, "I would awesome love
0: part. to, but I just don't think I can today." He <laughs> said, "I'll send you my thoughts." I said, "Can I quote you?" on the podcast. He said, absolutely. If you disagree with me, just tell them that it's your opinion and not (laughs) mine. I said, okay, (laughs) I promise you that I will. So let me just real quick read you Danny's response to what I said, or to that article. Okay, my general, this is Danny Nix, will soon be a lawyer from Mercer. He has a bachelor's degree in philosophy from Battle State University. He says, my general thoughts are as follows. Number one, science does not have absolute domain regarding truth. Parentheses, it can inform us of natural and physical causes and events, but it cannot explain the why or the purpose. It cannot provide us with moral knowledge, although it can give some guidance. Example, we should vac- vaccinate our kids because of what science shows us happens when we don't. But it does not necessarily say you should or should not vaccinate your kids. Or you shall or shall not vaccinate your kids. That's what he says. Number two. Even regarding what science can tell us about, any good scientists would say that scientific theories are not one hundred percent correct. Scientists in the parentheses, he says, scientists continually try to disprove theories through a process called falsification. Number three, people of faith should welcome modern science. Science is mm-hmm. a tool of knowledge, allowing for development of medicine and so much more. Amen. Well said, Danny.
1: Can I just add that I have never understood why science and Christianity doesn't go more in hand, yeah. because God is scientist, capital S, like the yeah. scientist. The the first one. The, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just makes perfect sense to me, and then you don't have to be, you know, you can be very smart and logical and, and be a believer.
0: Absolutely. There's room in the kingdom for thinkers.
1: Yes, absolutely. And
0: you don't have to throw your brain in the trash to be a Christian. Um, but I do think what
1: was interesting is it. You know, the the comment about if we're given enough time, science could explain everything. I think it was that's kind of an absolute right, extreme right. word there. But I don't disagree with that because God's given us revelation. Look at right. That's you know, true. Yeah. So call it science. Through God, though, I mean, you can't leave him out of the picture, but we probably could start to explain more and more.
0: Yeah, I think the point that I wanted to make from this article, um, again, we're coming from the world of working with young people, teenagers, like you mentioned earlier. What I see among young people, even people my generation, 34 and a half, don't tell nobody, though. Um, Actually, it's about three-quarters, 34 and three quarters. What I see from our generation and below is that science has achieved such a lofty uh, seat on our um, culture that we've begun to esteem it so much uh, credibility all the time that we have booted out faith with we've replaced uh, faith with science and, and so now what you have is you have a generation of young people that have been taught that science is the answer, that science has the answer, no matter what the problem is, whether it be uh, from a chemical uh, solution that will fix everything to um, a set of steps you can do that will fix everything um, from knowing the weather ahead of time that will prevent everything. And I think that, I think that, just anecdotal observation will disagree with that. In other words, um, hurricanes still hit and they still, de- still destroy cities that science has fortified and said could withstand it. I think um, you know we take medication sometimes, and it doesn't always fix the problem. And I agree with Danny that science is super important. We should embrace it. But to say that science is the end-all, be-all – That's what breaks my heart about this younger generation is that they literally have put all their eggs in the basket. Many of them have put their eggs in the basket of science that science will get them to where they need to be. And I know that I'm being unfair to science grouping it all together like that. But the point is, is that young people today largely feel like that if they can't explain it, then it doesn't deserve um, their attention, much less their faith. And I think that this article is encouraging to me because I think you're going to start seeing a little bit of those winds changing, hopefully shifting back in the direction of saying, hey, let's be, let's be factual and real about the role of science and where its boundaries are. Okay, science is hugely important, but it does have its boundaries. It has a stopping place where our faith Kicks in, and I think that this this article just encouraged me to hear that even those people who are in the camp of working in science day in and day out are starting to, uh, at least some of them are starting to be honest about okay let's kind of let's take some of the pressure off the field of science in trying to solve the world's problem. There are just some things that science is not going to be able to confront. That's not going to be able to deal with, and. If that is you, if you feel like man, I've looked to man, I've looked to science, I've looked to these things for an answer. I can't find an answer. I encourage you to look to God and what He has said in His word and let him take you to the answer. What is the answer? I would say the answer is always a closer walk with God. So to me that was what I loved about the story and I wanted to um, I wanted to spotlight it because it gives me a little bit of hope about the direction, of uh, our culture in the future and our kind of evidence-based culture that we've built. Um, I think it just makes me feel good that there's some scientists out there that are being like, hey, and it doesn't even mention that these scientists are Christian. It's just that they're saying, okay, maybe there's some stuff we can't do. You mm-hmm. know? And I like that. That's humility. God yes. can work with humility. Amen. So um, again,
1: regardless, it is part of the creation yes we give too much emphasis on the creation and not the creator
0: and that was that reminds me of what you said earlier when you said that uh when you when you answer the call of god on your life it's easy to be like to get kind of arrogant about it at that point it is possible to make your calling an idol Mm -hmm. you know even christians that that can happen to -hmm. a christian so anyway, uh, we do not have any more questions. We, d- we don't. We don't have a question yet. So
1: maybe that means we've answered them all.
0: Maybe we should just like offer a t shirt or something. You got a t shirt? No, <laughs> <We could offer.
1: laughs> I don't have a lot to offer.
0: Um, Anyway, we would love for you guys to email us with questions and comments. And hopefully next time we come back, uh, we will have uh, a guest with us that can speak about some of these stories so we can kind of change it up a little bit. But we thank you so much for joining us. We love you. We hope that this has been a blessing to you. And we hope to see you, hear you again next week um, where we will pick back up in Mark. And we look forward to getting an email from somebody. Please Somebody send an email. Please. Just, Just say hey. Just say hey you know you can stop by my house if you know where I live and, I don't know write a note people do that anymore in Texas. alright we love you we will see you next week God bless you and uh, may yes may you live richly for Jesus Amen Amen